Okay, hi everybody. The podcast is on purpose, and we are your hosts. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and with me is the remarkable Heidi Stevens. Um, hi, Heidi. Hi, John. So here's the thing that happened. Okay. Uh, I went and recorded Zen Parenting Radio. Mm. So if you're going to listen to another podcast, that's a good one to listen 100%. to. If you're, but you really ought to listen to this one first, and it's full right. in its entirety. If you have extra time. And if you have a while, definitely listen to Todd and Kathy Adams and Zen Parenting Radio. Yep. They're amazing. They put on a conference every year that is more than amazing. I'm I get to speak in. Yep. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> As do like Abby Wambach and oh, I Doyle. And, and I usually people. try to cluster us together yeah. as if, you know, like we shared the stage together, which, you know, I didn't meet him or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but I'm planning. Laying um, the groundwork, laying the groundwork. So uh, both Kathy and I, so I just finished a book. Kathy's writing a book and we were talking about the struggles of writing. Mm. And as they're I'm real. leaving, they're like, you know, hey, we love the podcast you do with Heidi. And, you know, and her column today was unbelievable. And I don't remember what column it was because they're all unbelievable. Aww. We all agreed on that. Thank you. And and she just reminded me, she said, you realize, like, we're struggling to do this once every eight years. And Heidi does this every freaking day. Like, she comes <laughs> up with something amazing every day. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah. You know, I thought I just hung out with her on Wednesday mornings for a while. She scribbled something once or twice a week. and she, you know, I didn't think that. But, you know, like, it yeah. is amazing that you come up with something remarkable that touches all these people every single day. That's You are one of the most powerful women in Chicago journalism. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. That is really touching. Thank you for saying that. Um, I'm going to say... Well, I'm going to accept that compliment and say thank you. But I'm also going to say that on the flip side, I think the idea of writing a book is completely daunting because, you know, I get to stop after six, seven, eight hundred words and I have the immediacy of, you know, knowing that this thing I'm writing about is relevant now and probably will be relevant tomorrow when more people yes. see it. And then and then we move on. But to to sit and write a book knowing that you know these words aren't actually going to be in front of readers for another what 18 months At maybe least. yes you know 2 years and you have to come up with pop culture references that will still feel fresh you've got to be talking on a level that people still care about in 2 years from now i mean that i find you know, such an easy part of my job. It's like, this is what people are talking about right now, and I'm going to write about it right now. Right. But to project out what will still be interesting and relevant and fresh-seeming in yeah. two years feels huge to me. So I'm bowled over impressed by people who can write books that when they come out, when they're sitting in my hands, still feel fresh and relevant. And you do that. Well, thank you. And um, you're, you're right. That is the the horror the middle of the night flop sweat horror of yeah. writing a book um especially when you're trying to tap tap into like you know I write about parenting teenagers and like tap into the pop culture that teens are involved in and the social media it's always a uh, hair off like no matter how contemporary you are in the moment that you're writing right I remember my first book MySpace it was all over the book oh god everywhere in (laughs) the book you know and I was and I remember panic calling my publisher you know stop the press yeah (laughs) nobody's on MySpace anymore turns out MySpace isn't a thing (laughs) did you change it yes to what Facebook Facebook it was Facebook at the time Yeah. yeah but now it's you know 18 different things from there so right yeah yeah. Snapchat and Instagram and yeah, and, and even more. to come up with like a funny pop culture reference to sort of lighten your paragraph or whatever. It's like, 
okay, I make a Stranger Things joke. Well, right. like, you know, in three years, people would be like, Stranger what? <laughs> right. What is he talking about? I remember that show. Yeah. yeah. And, and you don't even have the luxury of a hyperlink. Like in no, newspapers, right. we could just be like, ah, hyperlink to it. And then they can click on it and find out what Stranger Things Good point. is. I guess you could footnote. but Right. Right. Anyway. But I don't. But and who does that? No, no. Yeah. That takes too long. You've right. got to hurry up. you got to get a thing going. Totally. How yeah. pretentious do you want to look? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your footnotes. Yes. Do I really deserve <laughs> footnotes for what I've scribbled down here? And are you going to footnote Stranger Things? Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. And thank you. And I share the um, respect and admiration of the kind of writing that you do. Much appreciated. And it sounds like Kathy's doing. Yeah. I look yeah. forward oh, to her Kathy's, book. Kathy's book is, I, I can't, I don't think I have... The luxury of describing what I do know about it, but it's going to be amazing. I trust I'm it. Well, confident of that. Yeah, I love her yeah. work. Yeah. So um, we've had birthdays in each of our families lately. You had a birthday. I had a birthday. Yeah. Yes. You had a birthday Monday, Sunday. When was your birthday? It was this uh, week. It was this week. I think it was Monday. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. And and um, and, and I, uh, you and I, kind of exchanged some texts. You were very nice to to send a happy birthday text. Yep. And I was reflecting that. My birthday means very little to me, you, and it never really has meant much. I've never really thought much about it or even as a kid. cared, even as a kid. Huh. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I think an, an adult, you know, making a big deal out of his or her birthday always strikes me as a tiny bit unseemly. I guess <laughs> right. the milestone one's fine, 21, of course, right. you know, 40, 50, 60. Um, but, you know, if you're just turning, like, 47, it's like, okay. <laughs> There's some comedian uh, who says... I, 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 um, Oh, I wish I could remember who this was because it was a, it was a pretty good. I think it was Chris D'Elia. Do you know who this is? Mm-mm. So he said, uh, you know, um, that a grown man approached him in the locker room and said, you know, I've got a big birthday coming up. It's a big one, the big four two. And <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, that's not a big one, man. No, like uh, <laughs> nothing big about that. Right, just an ordinary year to me. Right. Like, um, but uh, you know, yeah, I think we can overblow that, and yet. When I have a good friend who throws a birthday party for himself every year, it is an extravaganza and it becomes a party. But he does kind of have a bit where it's kind of like, come celebrate me. Let's go. It's yeah. cake time, you know, like or where are the things that you brought me? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which is a little. So I guess I can imagine if, you know, say you've reached an age that one of your parents didn't get to see because they died early or say it's been, you know, an especially tumultuous year for you. You went through a divorce or you beat cancer or you you're grieving some sort of loss I can see looking for reasons to celebrate and finding reasons to celebrate and wanting to surround yourself with people you love and cherish and wanting to celebrate with them and there's nothing wrong with that at all in fact it's lovely we should all do more of it um but yeah I do my knee jerk is a little like birthdays are for kids yes so it's interesting to me that even as a kid, you didn't really make a big deal out of the the Duffy House. <laughs> without overstating this, wasn't overly celebratory uh-huh. when I was a kid. Not, <laughs> so not joyful. There was there was a, a a thing about birthdays, but here's a curious thing about my birthday. Okay, um, and I'll, and we'll we'll keep this brief. But um, my father. Uh, it was an AA my entire life. He mm-hmm. had st- he was sober. I never saw him take a drink my entire life. Okay. So he his first day of sobriety was August 19, 1961. I was born on August 19, three years later. Okay. So on, wow. my, on my birthday. It was a my, big day for him. Huge day for him. But my dad would get a cake on my birthday, uh... but not on Tom's or Mary Ellen's or Mike's birthday. And I was I remember thinking, 
what the hell's going on here? Why does dad get a cake on my birthday? Right. And then when I realized why, I was like, oh my God, that's so much better than just being born. I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's like, not though. Oh, it's so much bigger. It's uh, so. Oh, for a kid? I don't know. I just Pretty quickly. We, I, I celebrated him on my birthday. Okay, yeah. And that's a big thing. You know, he was more than 37 years sober at one point. But, but one doesn't have to cancel the other out. Couldn't you both have cakes? We did, but, you know, I, I felt like my, my major accomplishment of being born. <laughs> Coming like, out of the birth canal. Like the rest of the 8 billion <laughs> of us. It can be was, traumatic. Right. <laughs> for the baby and the mother, let me tell if you. If I remember right. <laughs> That was a rough day for me. Yeah. That, I, I was very comfortable. Had to take a nap afterwards. There was a lot of screaming. I think there was blood. I was never. I never screamed before that day. Uh, I will say this. Okay, I I think we're in a moment right now. I think we've been building toward this moment for the past few years, where it's never been easier to sort of call attention to yourself as an adult, whether you're taking a selfie or sharing your vacation photos or whatever it is, call attention to yourself, celebrate yourself for a minor accomplishment, for a major accomplishment. And I think we're a lot of us grappling with like how much to do that before it does get a little unseemly and how much of it is just like legitimate, you know, sharing of something that you should be proud of. Here's and a nice, sh- fun milestone, right? Yeah. Exactly. And and even it gets into interesting territory. Well, it's all interesting territory, but I find it especially, um, I guess, complicated, but in an interesting way. When you look at like um, sort of, you know, women posting pictures maybe in – a bikini or, you know. Does that look- happen? I mean, okay. <laughs> Just, on occasion. Okay, let's talk about the Kardashians, for example. Let's go with the so, Kardashians. Go with the Kardashians. Fish in a barrel. Right. Yes. Um, one could argue that they are liberated and proud of their bodies and almost, and I think they've called themselves feminist in the way yep. they refuse to be shamed and refuse to cover up and refuse to feel embarrassed by, you know, people who think they should stop, you know, showing off as showing much off as they their show bodies off. And, 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 and altering them <laughs> and monetizing um, for, through uh, what cosmetics and things like that. Exactly. And, yeah. Cosmetics <laughs> and things like that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I have definitely read Kim Kardashian calling it feminist that she poses nude. On Instagram, I right. mean, for sure have. Okay, this so is empowering, right? This, this is, is empowering. Right, I'm proud and of that, my body. Exactly. Yeah. And so this we've come a long way from birthdays, but <laughs> but I do think it's all kind of in the same territory, right? Like I'm uh, celebrating me, yeah, okay? Yeah. And is that unseemly and selfish and a little gross, or is that liberated and proud and freeing? And why don't you just all try it? It's pretty great. And right. I'm not going to be shamed for being proud that I turned 42 guy in the gym. Okay. Right, right. Like maybe it's a big deal to me, you know, um, maybe I've spent my life feeling like I shouldn't be, you know, I, I'm not a big deal. And now I've reached an age where I've decided I am a big deal. I want to celebrate me. I'm, I'm going to celebrate ce- me publicly big. Exactly. Yeah. So part of it is that we don't know people's you know individual backgrounds but part of it is also just this like i i do think we're all grappling with it because there's so many platforms now yep. right 
to celebrate yourself and to post pictures of yourself and to share your accomplishments. And even if your accomplishment is, you know, going to Hawaii on spring break, which right. is, you know, can be a really big deal for some people. Absolutely. Be a big deal for me. I'm usually at a water park. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, as you bring up the Kardashians, I'm thinking like there is this line, uh, and I'm not sure where the line is anymore, between this is my personal life and this is me, uh, you know, enjoying it, and this is my professional life and I'm leveraging this somehow. Like I'm branding or, right, you know, somehow – I'm accruing followers or Mm -hmm. I'm satisfying my followers and this is going to net me income or something somehow. So in in a weird way, I think we're grappling maybe with where that line is too, like where the personal and professional are separate, you know, Um, I'm, I'm trying to promote a book and I, so so I, I, my publisher is encouraging me like, you know, a post a day with a link to Amazon Mm -hmm. and I am appalled with myself a little bit every morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is gross self-promotion and, you know, I don't have that many followers. So my friends who, you know, my lifelong friends have to suffer my stupid Amazon link every day. I hit like every day. I'll have you know. I appreciate that. <laughs> no I, problem. I do notice that, by the For way. For the building of the brand of the podcast, of course. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the book sounds fantastic, and I feel like I should help push it out to more people because right. it's going to help parents and but, kids. But, but I think in any in any venture, we're doing that, yep. right? We're 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 promoting and, and self promoting, and and our birthday might have something to do with that, right? You know, like um, so. At some point, I think we probably have to figure out where our lines are and what we want out there representing us. Yeah, yeah, yep, I agree. And then on the other end of the spectrum. My son turned 10. Yeah. Same week you had a birthday. And uh, that one does feel like across the board a big deal. Like he can think of it as a big deal. I can think of it as a big deal. Like it's just a big deal. Yep. Yep. I think birthdays are a huge deal for kids. And I love that they are. And I would never, um, I, I mean, I suppose there's whatever hand wringing over the parents who throw insanely expensive yeah. birthday parties for one year olds, whatever. Spend your money how you want. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's lovely to make a child feel, you know, celebrated. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you cherish the day they came into the world. No, the minute you mentioned Will turns 10, I felt differently about birthdays in a, in a heartbeat and it made me reflect back. So my George is 23 and I was thinking like, what was 10 like? And I was like, ooh, this is going to be fun for Heidi. This is going to be like, and for Will, this is a good year and there aren't, I can't think of a bad one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it's fun from here on out, but I agree. 10 is worth celebrating. And I don't think you need a milestone when you're 10 or 11 or 12. You know what I mean? Like, I think 11 is worth celebrating, you know? And those are fun. I remember having trouble discerning, you know, is this fun for, is fun for George as it is for Julie and I, you know what I mean? Like, like to put it together and to think about like what to get him. Yep. This is something we struggled with a decade ago is what does he want? What, what do we get the guy? Because... By the time he was, George was a little older. He was probably 13 when he first got a phone. Yeah. And suddenly the idea of the fun new gift becomes a little elusive. Like, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, that that covers a lot of ground. You can't what? surprise them with anything right. anymore. They've yeah. already seen a picture of it. They've already scrolled, you know, through however many reviews of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. So it's 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 tricky to come up with like something exciting. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So this seems like a weird segue, but it's popped in my head, so I'll say it because that's what we do here. Um, <laughs> along the lines of like measuring right what the kid wants and needs versus the parents wants and needs and trying to meet them all. This dress code story this morning, you and I were talking about it a little bit. It's popping in back into my head uh-huh. because. Um, so last week, was it just last week? I wrote about Glenbard East um, being sort of embroiled in this controversy the first day of school. I guess they had a new dean, although I was never able to actually get that verified, so I left that out of the story. But several parents told me they had a new dean um, who was walking around, and any girls that had on tank tops— um, this dean would hand them a bright orange T-shirt to put on instead of the tank top because the tank top violated dress code. So and the was po- was the orange T-shirt massive and like kind of ridiculous? I think it was. I yeah, think okay, it was like right. a stash of orange T-shirts that were in the office. <laughs> yeah, the, from the school play from the, in the seventies or something. Well, the the one school official that would return my um, request for comment said that the orange t-shirts said dean rental on them dean like dean of students dean rental i see so i think they're like maybe they keep them on hand for for all those bare-shouldered vixens exactly exactly (laughs) um and so the parents were the parents I talked to and the parents who were commenting, you know, six, seven hundred deep on Facebook weren't so much upset that their kids couldn't wear tank tops. They're right. like, OK, fine. So, you know, they were upset that, number one, their kids wore tank tops last year and didn't get in trouble. So they went into the first day of school in their cute new outfits right. thinking they were OK because they had been OK last time they walked the halls. Um, yeah. What a weird message, right? Like, yeah. you know, to be humiliated for something that, la- you know, last well, year three months ago I wore the same thing and I was fine. Right. Yeah. So, like, A, give us a heads up that, like, yeah, the dress code on page 26, we're enforcing it this year. Okay, good. Then we won't wear tank tops to school. Like, A, a heads up would have been great. Yep. B, like, you're kidding me with the orange t-shirt. Like, do you, I mean, tap my daughter on the shoulder and say, like, hey, no tank tops. Tomorrow. Um, tomorrow. Right, starting tomorrow. Right. right. Yeah. Do you need to really have them walk around in a bright orange t-shirt while you're pretending that the tank top was distracting? <laughs> and, right? <laughs> and three... The boys in basketball jerseys, which if you've ever gone to Lollapalooza or even been anywhere near Chicago right. during Lollapalooza, you see that is the thing. The boys all wear the basketball jerseys. When they're wearing so they're a shirt. Sleeveless. Or they're, or they're, to- <laughs> or they're topless, which right. is fine, apparently, in our society. Okay. So the the boys were not being given the orange right. T-shirts. The boys could free the nipple. They could the free- <laughs> Exactly. The armpit hair. It's all there. Right. So this is the kind of stuff that was upsetting the parents. Well, then, okay, a couple days later, here's this morning's column. Um, Put your seatbelt on for this. This oh is my insane. God. So this boy in Texas, this apparently happened last spring, but his parents just filed a lawsuit, which is why it's news now. This boy in Texas, 13-year-old boy, had a fade haircut with a line cut into the side a little design um it looks like maybe it's an I, I don't know what it is but the lawsuit clearly says it's like nothing that should be offensive it's not a gang right. affiliation not a gang it's nothing right. innocuous kind it's of cool totally it was cool looking right cool design yeah. in his hair please um the french prince wore stuff probably more yeah, exactly. radicalized right. <laughs> yeah if will smith uh strikes you as dangerous <laughs> You may have some inherent bias issues. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Anyway. Could be a race uh, thing. I don't even know. might be racist. (laughs) It's possible. Uh, 
Anyway, this um, assistant principal said to this boy, your haircut violates dress code. Right. And you can either have... And they let it go and they send him home. Exactly. Okay, good. End of End story. Of story. Nice. Yeah. Wait, no, not. Oh. Actually, that's not what happened. No. She said you can have in-school suspension, which would potentially threaten his position on the track team. Right. Um, or, I have to take a deep breath for this yeah, one. Yeah, please. Or we can color in your scalp with black permanent marker. A Sharpie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and this lawsuit his parents filed because no one called them and also because it's gross. And they um, put this on the boy, right? This 13... 13-year-old boy. Year old boy. Right. So the lawsuit said under great duress, he chose the Sharpie because, you know, he probably didn't want to be in trouble. Most kids don't want to get in trouble. And he probably he wanted to did, run in the next meet and he wanted to get in trouble with his at coach. Track. Exactly. Yeah. So he chooses the Sharpie and these three grown-ups, like, according to the lawsuit, are like laughing and making fun of him and coloring on his scalp with a Sharpie. Take a moment and consider the visual of that. Picture this, right? First of all, this is an African-American boy. Right. Right? And white these adults. Are all white adults. Yep. Oh, yeah. Bizarre and awful this Can you is. imagine being the adult that does that? I cannot imagine. And, and we were reflecting on how that feels violent somehow. It feels like an assault. I think it does. So do I. Yeah, I really yeah, do. I can't You're get putting past it. your hands on this kid in a way that he doesn't want you to be putting your hands on him for. You're marking him up. Yeah. You're humiliating him. Yeah. You're laughing in the process. It's gross. Picture picture just like, you know, that and having your head marked up in that way. I'm just picturing like if that happened to and either of us today. Right. How alarming that must feel. You totally. know, like you don't And like, you can't wash it off. No. It doesn't that doesn't come if you've ever That's, had permanent marker on your hand right. or leg or whatever, it doesn't just come right off. No. No. Yeah. And 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 it was a counterintuitive move in a way because it didn't really do what it intended to do. Well, exactly. It, it, the, the ridiculous thing is, like, you know, it enhanced the design on the side of his enhanced head somehow, the right? Design. Yeah. Right. And so this is actually, thank you for bringing that up, because that's actually going to eventually get me back to my point. <laughs> I take a while. <laughs> so I just, this is another situation, the Glenn Bardis thing, the Texas thing, where I do think these grown-ups are putting their own bullshit on these kids. I don't Ever, and I've written a lot of dress code stories, I don't ever hear the kids saying, I can't concentrate. No. It's distracting. You know, it's... No, right. Uh, yeah, I, it's it disturbs me to see bare shoulders. That haircut scared me. It's always the grown-ups. It's always the grown-ups coming in with their punishment lust and wanting to, you know, make sure their authority isn't being questioned and making an example of these kids and in the process doing the very thing they're pretending that they're trying to eliminate, yeah. right? Creating a distraction. Right. Creating a hostile learning environment. Which you're, is what they're creating. You're doing that. Right. You're doing that when you color on a kid's head. You're doing that when you hand a girl a bright orange T-shirt to walk around in. So, Absolutely. like, can we talk about what boys need to learn? Can we talk about what girls need to learn? And can we stop pretending like... This is a situation of like, well, rules are rules and kids need to learn how to follow them. It's like, okay, maybe the rules are idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> so right. maybe you if need the kids to aren't affected, maybe it's a stupid rule. Maybe it's a stupid rule. Right. And you're and maybe this has more to do with you, the administrator, the dean, the the committee right. and your biases 
and your fears about how you might react to certain things exactly. than it has anything to do with any of these kids. Exactly. It's always something that triggers a grown-up. It's braids. It's a fade haircut. It's leggings. And then they go into attack mode. Right. And that's what these dress code flare-ups are. I don't think it's you know, emblematic of like a generation of kids who can't follow rules or a generation of kids who want to show off every body part when they get the chance to. It's like, give me a break. Right. Right. This no, is just... it's madness. And um, well, as a, as a really important side note, all of the dress code stuff we've ever talked about, we've talked about it a few times. We've written about it many times. Yeah. I, and I like it as a theme. Because Too many feels... times, do you think? No, no. no. <laughs> okay. I think you've got six or seven still in the hopper ready okay, to go. Because yeah. there's a dress code book coming out. I mean, totally. you're, you're definitely heading in that direction. <laughs> um, but it's it's rarely directed at the white boy. Right. Right? So the, the dress code violators tend to be, uh, by and large, girls, right? Usually... We're reflecting on girls. We're going to take a pause for a second. Can you will we remember where we are? Totally. Okay. White boys. White boys, right. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, so it's never it's never a complaint uh, in favor of anybody but the white boys, which probably is a really bad message to send all the kids. Well, I also don't think it's altogether fair to the white boys. I do I think it sort of assumes the worst about these boys that they, you know, are that easily distracted, yeah. that they can't concentrate, that they that they have these base instincts that they're unwilling or unable to control, right? That right. they have no self-regulation, that they're and all that they're attracted to girls' offended. bodies. Many yes. aren't even attracted to girls' bodies. Can we talk about that for a second? I mean, right. it's, it's not fair to keep putting this on them. Like we're sort of you know, doing all of this to protect them. And it's right. like, I think a lot of them are walking around like, hey, I see your double standard. Like, yeah. hey, I'm actually okay in biology, even though the girl next to me is wearing leggings. I didn't even really notice until right. you made a big thing of it. Or if I did, uh, like, hey, I'm a teenager, you know, I can, uh, that's fine, you know, right. and I'm okay. And, you know, even if it's a, like you said about the, you know, the Notre Dame thing months ago. If there's a moment of turn on here, fine. this is how the species perpetuates exactly. in a way, right? This, and, this than is, fine. and this is what adolescence is about, and that's completely normal. Completely normal. Yeah, and I and... should be able to like refocus too, you right. know? Yeah. Right. And exactly. that's not the end of the world. Exactly. So but I do think, speaking to your point, that that school officials and, and educators have a responsibility to examine these rules that they're, you know, screaming about the kids not following and make sure that they are inclusive and yep. that they are relevant and that they don't target certain body types or certain communities or certain religions and, you know, and make sure that, like, this makes sense for your whole student body and is actually, you know, important to creating a safe, comfortable learning environment and not actually just about giving grownups a big stick to walk around wielding, right? I, I totally agree. And um, I don't know, have you have you been to school board meetings where some of these types of uh, totally yeah so yeah. so um, so have I and I've I've spoken at a few of them and usually people are really discerning and smart and consider like okay so what's this going to be like for some of the kids uh, it does blow me away when one of these rules gets by I get the idea that you know a lot of high school and middle school is hurting cats to some extent. Mm -hmm. You want you want to keep some control in a chaotic atmosphere. Yeah. I'm always impressed when a high school works out in a given day. Totally. Right. People are just anarchy. like exploding out of there. Right. Uh, right. So you can't have anarchy, but there is this kind of like um 
people do an awful lot in, in the meetings I've been to um, without pinpointing any school or, or population where some rules get discussed to death that don't need to be even discussed. There's mm-hmm. kind of a gut check of this is fine. You know, come on, you guys, let's talk about something important because this doesn't matter. The bare shoulders really is this affecting anybody? Let's right. get the curriculum or let's right. get to, you know, like how do we make the LGBTQ students feel included or, you know what I mean? Like yep. let's make sure these kids are comfortable because they're, they've got a lot they're working against. Their minds are really full. How do we create the atmosphere for learning that's best for them? And maybe the bare shoulders doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. Right. Yeah. I do think, and I would be interested here if this comes up in your therapy work, I do think it's kind of a human reflex to um, feel overwhelmed by all the problems there are to fix in just your own personal life or in the, uh, the community you belong to or in the organization you're working in and decide to just, you know, really zero in on one tiny thing that seems fixable Right. And stay on that as a way of avoiding the bigger, the big more complicated stuff that actually probably does deserve your time and attention. Yeah. Um, but it's too daunting. So yeah. it's like, yeah, let's just stick with bare shoulders. Or like, right. I mean, I think we do this in our relationships, too, or our parenting, or our marriages or whatever. It's like, OK, there's these 900 big things that I can't possibly get my head around. So I'm just going to start another fight about the dishwasher. Absolutely. Right. So as a as a uh, corollary to that, years ago, um, I was part of something called the Institute for Emotionally Intelligent Learning. Okay. And we had this very heady um, idea of going into schools and getting them to teach social-emotional learning in their curriculum, and this is going to help kids connect with one another, understand their emotions better. This is really important because emotional wellness is crucial, right? And um, as we pitch this, one school in particular, it was up in Northbrook. Uh, It was a middle school, and a brilliant, outspoken teacher. It was this other man and I, and um, two white guys come into the school. Uh (laughs) And, and, you know, we were like, you know, what you guys need to do, you teachers, Uh is protect time to teach, you know, social and emotional skills. And uh, and this woman kind of stood up and she's like, are you guys kidding? Yeah. Like, do, do, do you understand the metrics we're working under? Do you right. understand like what we're trying to do here and what these you know, kids like, go through to even right. get to so school in the morning? If, if you can get us paid for another like hour and a half a day, yeah, maybe we can fit that in, you know. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is insane given the way things work. Yeah. So have a clue before you come in here. Have right. some idea what you're talking about. And she was right, you know. Yeah. Like, and I was very quick to abandon that project. To come back to like now, I think it's time has come. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, I don't think so. Um, but there is that idea, like you know, she recognized, like, oh, I get this is really important. We don't have the bandwidth for that right. at all. You know what I mean? We, we're going to take on these little pieces and get these kids through the day, and hopefully, mom and dad can take care of that. You know, right. um, now I think that time has come to take on some bigger issues because I think. We, we were talking about um, gentleness, yeah. you know, in relationships uh, a week ago. And I think now it, it's important because I think when all these things we're talking about, the idea of the the mass shooter who is disenfranchised and angry, the idea uh, angry at women, mm-hmm. the idea of um, a bunch of white administrators holding a black boy's head on 
on a table and coloring it in because they're not happy with the way that looks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The idea of of making girls dress differently because, oh my God, what if one of the boys gets turned on? Well, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a disaster, you know? Mm -hmm. We're we're missing some enormous bigger point here, right? Uh, That that is really important. And we're, we're kind of like picking out these little tiny issues that seem to entirely miss the boat and make the problem way worse. Right. Yeah. Right. And instead of being the the forces in these kids' lives who could help them make sense of it all and navigate it in a way that has some critical thinking and some empathy and some justice and fairness— you know, it's the grown-ups who are exacerbating it, right, right? Right, and setting all these terrible examples, and it's just, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, it totally is. You know, I think about every once in a while, you and you, mostly in your column, I hear the counterpoint, the the, the good story where mm-hmm. where an adult comes through. Yeah, and I you try know, to find them. <laughs> right, you, I, I think you're good there. at it. Yeah, they're so, out there. So um, we we committed to. Touching on wishes once in a oh, while. Oh yeah. So what? One of the wishes. Also, I, it was your birthday this week, so you totally get a wish. I so. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take that. <laughs> I'm gonna take that wish, and then you can take Will's for now. Okay. Um, if you like. But you know, wh- one thing I was thinking as I read that column is I was thinking like, what would be better than this? And, Are you talking and, about the boy? The boy. The boy. Scalp who, column. Right. The okay. boy scalp column. And I was thinking in my fantasy world, I was thinking in a, an administrator saying something like. Okay, um, if you do well, in the, if you guys do well in the track meet, I will fade my hair. Oh, <laughs> you know I what I mean? Love like, that. you know, we will play. Right. So it, it's meeting kids where they are, recognizing, like, you know, and think about the goodwill right. and fun that that would generate for the kids. You right. know what I mean? And um, and taking that kind of like shaming out of it and yep. making it like uh, this connecting thing. Like that's good parenting. That's good adult to child play. I I want something like that to happen in that school for that boy. I love that. And I'm going to give an example that's a little related. At my kids' um, spring fundraiser, they go to public school and, you know, every spring is a big fundraiser and we raise money so they can have textbooks or whatever. I'm not kidding. It's sometimes like as basic as textbooks, (laughs) soap in the bathroom, that kind of thing. Um, This year, one of the incentives was if we raised a certain dollar amount, the principal who's an African-American woman, and the vice principal, who's a white man, would do a lip sync battle. And we raised the money, (laughs) and the fundraiser had like a disco theme to it. They're always themed. So the principal, who was decked out in like this amazing sequency bodysuit and this Afro wig. She went for it all the way. She did a killer Proud Mary. I mean, killer. (laughs) And like one of the other teachers had a cane and a hat and did kind of an Ike Turner thing, but without the domestic violence part of it. And (laughs) doing this like amazing dance in the background. They killed it. I mean, every parent had a phone out videotaping it. We were all singing along. It was the most fun fundraiser thing ever. Brilliant. Then the assistant principal comes up and sings Ice Ice Baby (laughs) and kills that and everyone is having a blast and it's hilarious and amazing. And of course, every one of us there took our phones home and showed our kids. Of course. You know, look what Mr. Rose did. Look what Michelle did. And, you know, the kids, June's showing me like the group chats and the, you know, Snapchats all about it. Like, did you see? Did your mom show you? Did your dad show you? And so and viral in your community, totally right? Totally viral totally. in our little community. 
community. And like, I just that you couldn't like come up with that in a meeting. Like, let's come up with a way to, you know, engender goodwill. And but like little stuff that like that, like have some fun with them. Yes. Like let them see that you're humans. Like, yeah, it does. I mean, it does make kids, you know, want to earn your trust and your good you know your goodwill th- your and goodwill your right and your and good opinion yeah and you don't you're building have... that emotional bank account up big time it's exploding right you don't yeah. have to be scary and mean right no you don't have to be scary and mean and you're making some part of their life that could feel like drudgery or you could feel uh, they could have animosity for you right they there, there could be this divide between you and them and just by having this playful moment and not every moment has to be playful, right? You can still be the administrator. You can still be the principal. But in that moment, you're just a person. Right. And they're like, oh, I can connect with that. Yep. Maybe I want to be a principal one day. That seems cool. That seems fun, right. right? You know, like there's all sorts of doors that open up. Totally. But if you're always austere and removed, this is a parenting tip, by the way, as well. Yeah. Um, you're you're never going to get there. They're not going to relate to you. They're not going to care what you have to say. You're care just about like, your opinion. Yeah, you're out there. You're yeah, you're I kind agree. of an enemy mm-hmm. in a way. I agree. Yeah, and I can imagine people listening and saying, "Well, that's not true of when I was growing up. I was terrified of my dad, and I did care about his opinion right. or whatever." And that you know that model was out there. I'm not sure it exists as much anymore. I, m- I, wait till your father get home. Got gets home. Worked in my house. It did, mm-hmm. but. Um, if somebody had said to my son, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, all right, outstanding. Here we go. I'll be on the couch waiting. <laughs> In fact, I'll text him. Yes. <laughs> when are you getting home? <laughs> Let's go to Oberweiss. <laughs> I'll tell you all the bad shit I did today. <laughs> and you'll ask me, well, you shouldn't, you know, if you're going to cheat on a test, don't right. cheat verbatim. You know, How like, are be you smart feeling about inside about it, George? <laughs> Um, but you're right Um, with the kids I work with that doesn't exist anymore that that fear and that a lot of parents are like well what are we supposed to do and it's like you don't want a parent from a place of fear you you don't want your children to be afraid of you right Right. you want to connect with them this whole idea that you know I'm not my my children's friend I'm their parent and Mm -hmm. that that doesn't have to be the gulf that we think it, it, it yeah, is, right? That yeah. can be friendly. That can be close. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then that's a win-win, right? Yeah, totally. Yes. Who doesn't want parenting to be a little fun? Right. Or your job, if your job is educating kids. Right. Of course. Right. Why not? And make it fun for you, right? Yeah. You know, like if you're not engaged, how do you expect any of them to be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we that we got there from birthdays, didn't we? I don't know how. I mean, I'm going to have to listen to this again to see. Like, it's pretty impressive that we, you know, like, yeah, the uh, I the trail. We should have left breadcrumbs yeah. because I'm lost. But, <laughs> but we did get there. We did. Are we missing anything? I don't think so. I think we're probably out of time. We're definitely out of time. Yeah. If we've taken up too much, we apologize. We hope you listen in segments or something. Right. <laughs> we, we will talk to you guys next week. This is on purpose.